Hi, I'm Rob Vilnev, CEO of Rebel.com and Startup Canada Fellow for Culture and Engagement. Changing a corporate culture can feel daunting, but the first step is to try something that feels like it'll point you in the right direction, measure the results, and repeat. Start small, but do it fast and repeat it often. Be open and honest about the success or failure of the small steps. Try again if you have to. Many small steps will add up quick and the positive momentum will result in real change. The key takeaway, there are always more ways to improve your culture. Set yourself up to overcome hurdles by taking small incremental steps. Measure the results and repeat. Learn how to get the most of your payments through simple, safe, and smart card transactions. Visit MasterYourCard.org forward slash Canada for tips to master small business security. Master your card with MasterCard Canada. Is your startup financially fit? Join 10,000 entrepreneurs across Canada building financial foundations with Intuit QuickBooks. Attend a Startup Foundations workshop online or in a startup community near you and receive a free one-year subscription to QuickBooks Online. Visit www.startupcan.ca forward slash finance today to register. Storytelling, the journey of real change makers and discovering their impact on the world we live in. And now, broadcasting from Fredericton, New Brunswick, on the Startup Canada Podcast Network, Rivers Corbett. Welcome to the Startup Canada Podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across the country. With day in the life stories and in their shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale up companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program don't forget to visit the itunes store to subscribe and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join startup canada to access training resources and a peer network to grow your success i am your host rivers corbett founder and ceo of coaching by rockstars ever thought about a career as a business coach coaching by rockstars teaches business coaches how to build a successful coaching business from scratch visit coachingbyrockstars.com for more information. All right, ladies and gentlemen, put your seatbelt on tight because we're thrilled to have as our guest today, Kelsey Ramston, who is a Canadian serial entrepreneur. She's the founder of Belvedere Place Development and Talus Ridge Development, as well as Sparkplay and, of course, KelseyRamston.com, where she runs her signature program, the Manifesto Sessions. Kelsey's interest in business were sparked at a very young age when her first job was at 15, was with her father's civil construction firm. After graduating with an MBA from the Richard Ivey School of Business, she founded two multi-million dollar businesses. We just quickly talked about Belvedere Place Development and Talus Ridge Development. In 2012, when Kelsey was diagnosed with cervical cancer, Grit and determination helped her become a cancer survivor that same year. Today, she is an internationally recognized and sought after keynote speaker, Richard Branson Center mentor, and contributes to the Huffington Post and Entrepreneur Magazine, and has twice, not once, been twice been named Canada's number one female entrepreneur by Profit and Chatelaine. Seatbelts on, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Rivers Corbett, and today we're going to talk to Kelsey about her strategies for success in today's entrepreneurship landscape. Kelsey, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yahoo! <laughs> I'm a little excited. That's generally how I roll. So, you know, forgive awesome. the excitement. Awesome. Well, appreciate you being here. Let's kind of start in the beginning. Your parents were entrepreneurs. Um, you know, what impact did this have on your ability to kickstart your own business? And what did, what did you learn from them? 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, to go even further back, my grandfather started the first taxi cab company in my hometown of Kelowna, BC. So that was when nice. dialing was three digits, two, two, two. <laughs> that got you Rudy's Taxi. It was that's um, what it was called, Rudy's Taxi? Yeah, Rudy's Taxi. Love now, it. What a brand. It's oh, totally. I, I stole actually some pencils from my grandmother's house from the era of Rudy's Taxi, two, two, nice. two. Nice. In any event, um, yeah, so we're multi-generation of entrepreneurs. I think you know, to answer your question, I think the impact it had on me was really, I didn't know any different. I didn't understand what regular jobs were all about. Mm. Um, I saw, you know, the dizzying highs and death defying lows. So the times when it's like, all right, kids, we're going to Vegas, uh, because we got paid. Woo. (laughs) Okay. Kids, you know, we're eating out of the freezer and the pantry because we didn't get paid, you know? And, um, and really recognizing that 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 material impact, and by material I mean like money wise, was really pretty negligible. Like yes, we had to sell our house one time and move into rental and all all those kind of things, but the stability of my family and my friends never changed. Mm. So it gave me a lot of courage, I think, to recognize that st- number one, when things go bad, they're going to like that's mm-hmm. what's gonna happen. So mm-hmm. it's not me. I'm not a dummy. I don't suck. This is Mm. what's going on. Um, But if you stick with it, you can go to Vegas anytime you like, you know, so it's kind (laughs) of, it's kind of both ends of that thing. That's not to say it wasn't hard sometimes, but I'm really grateful for those lessons. Um, Well, let's kind of dig into that because I find that very interesting. So what would you recommend to people who are entrepreneurs now and have kids growing up? Because you're right, there's going to be those downs. And, and, uh, you know, I was reading a, uh, an article from the Halifax Chronicle Herald today about depression with entrepreneurs. And it's because they really, they really get ingrained into the success or failure of their business and it's their identity. And so how do, how would you recommend that parents really uh, engage their kids in that process. So when things do go bad, they're kind of like, oh, well, that's just part of what they do. Yeah. So here, here's what I know. So two things. One is um, my mom came from a family of nothing, like nine people lived in a two bedroom house mm. and her mom died when she was eight years old. Like, you know, great, not great story, but very kind of interesting storyline. And what she taught us was self-sufficiency. Mm-hmm. She really was about like, you are you and your own person. Um, and you can engage in all these storylines as much as you like, but ultimately at the end of the day, you're the guy who pulls up your own socks. Mm-hmm. And that allowed us as kids to recognize that what's going on for my parents is something separate from what's going on for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and so if, if something's not going great for them, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that, you know, my world is shattering. I still have my parents. I still have all these things. Right. And then I'm responsible for my part in helping the family out. So Love whether it. that's right. So I'm not going to go in and eat um, a big, huge fat sandwich of brand new, thinly sliced ham to the tune of, you know, eight bucks for how much I would eat. I'm mm-hmm. going to choose something that might cost my parents less mm-hmm. because I know we're strapped. I mean, it mm. sounds silly, but as a kid, those are the kind of small things you can do. So sure. the one was just self-sufficiency and, and contributing your part to the degree to which you can. The Love. other is my parents never talked dollars. Um, my parents talked experience. So my parents never said, we're out of money. My parents said, okay, we're going to be moving to a new neighborhood. And that's going to look like this. And it was always spun in a positive way. What this is going to teach you guys is the ability to meet new people. It's going to teach you about what it's like to be part from a different part of town. It's, you know, all these kind of things. Yes. Um, and I, and I'm so grateful for that too, because when that stuff happens, I go, okay, what's, what's in this? I mean, it's a big, huge pile of a four letter word, yeah. but there's got to be something I can take out of this. It's going to make me stronger and better and faster than everyone else who hasn't had to endure this challenge. And um, what what was your mother's name? Esther. Esther, shout out to Esther, absolutely, to keep that going. And obviously your dad did too. They seem to be great partners in life when that was going on. So uh, that, that, I love that uh, that perspective. Thank you for sharing that. 
Um, look, you were a, a, a management consultant before jumping into this world called entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And you've written about the reinvention that happened when you made the leap. You know, so I, I'm really interested in that whole that whole uh, thought process and that whole uh, uh, journey that you went on. What, you know, what are what are what are your top pieces of advice for anyone maybe attaching value to a title, for example? I mean, I see it, I see it all the time. Uh, you know, a buddy of mine showed his card to me the other day and it's president and CEO and he's one person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's like, what's that about anyway? Yeah. Well, I am the grand poobah of all knowledge and omnipotent (laughs) power of the universe. Ah, We Um, found her. (laughs) Yes. Yes. My brother and I used to sit around watching that nineties cartoon, Pinky and the brain, you know, Uh, take over the world. Um, Yeah, you know what, I think, uh, not to go too much back to my folks, but my dad, I can remember him, he has his MBA and he said to me, I don't put it on my business card because if people value me for that, I'm not doing a good enough job. Mm. And I remember that and and it's not on my business card and and, uh, I think, that's not to say I don't put value in it, but I think, um, you know, a title is an intro. Mm. So I think that, for me, I put my priorities on making myself an interesting enough intro in and of myself that someone wants to talk to me. Right. Um, you know, the titles are great and all that kind of thing. I, I think reinventing is, man, it is hard. Like, talk about a kick in the gut. I've had to do it a number of times, um, some because things didn't work out and some because I was tired of what I was doing. Uh and I think the unifying thing about it is if, if a person, you know, if I had to give some advice, I would just say, um, attach yourself to the work. Right. You know, right. the title will come if you're good enough. And if you're not good enough, you're going to be looking down the same pipe again. So, <laughs> right on. Um, right so on. you know, attach yourself to the work. <laughs> I love uh, I love that you referenced the uh, the cartoon and you know you're talking about the, this title thing. I remember I watched a movie when I was a kid. Demi Moore was in it with Woody Harrelson, and he lost a bet to Robert Redford. Yeah, and, yeah, decent proposal. Is that what it was? He's decent proposal. And I don't know if you remember the guy's card, Robert Redford's card. All it had on it was his name. That's all. Yeah. It had. No Money, contact right? information. Like Money. that's. That's beautiful. I always thought that was so cool. Well, my card, here it is. It's just well, my name. Honestly, why couldn't we do that now? Like you can Google up a person if they've done something, sure, right? Sure, absolutely. I yep. like it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to do it too. We're going to start a new movement. <laughs> Love it. Uh, Kelsey, you've been interviewed on your time management skills and, you know, you're a uh, your busy mom, you're a wife, you're a businesswoman, you know, you're, uh, you're obviously community oriented, you know, tell us uh, about the, the, the morning tonight focus for you. And, you know, it's not, oh, you know, I get up, brush my teeth and do this. It's like when you are approaching your days in a week, not months or years, how do you, uh, how do you approach those from a time management perspective? Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to steer this slightly differently, but keep on the topic. So, okay. It's my interview, not I'm yours. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. This is my jam. So I think what people are driving at around this question is oftentimes like, how do you get balance? Right. We're all just like frayed, shattered remnants of ourselves wandering around trying to make our appointments. And um, I, I'm a bit of a contrarian on this, so I don't believe in balance. It's not a thing I think is attainable. It, it is mm. like, you know, that the 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 weights and measures thing when it crosses itself for that instantaneous moment when those two platforms are aligned, the sky's part. You know, everything is working mm. out. But 90 percent of the time stuff is happening that's out of our control and our week is screwed and we're always behind and all that stuff. So how to answer your question, how I approach my week is, um, I don't pretend to be the omnipotent power of the universe. Uh, I don't schedule myself so that I am all places to all people at all times. I schedule, uh, for shit to happen because it's Mm. going to, so Friday, Mm. I don't book Friday. That doesn't mean I don't work Friday. I like, like all of us, I could work 24 seven, but <laughs> I do not schedule Friday because by right. Friday, there is so much stuff that I need Friday. Um, I don't book Wednesday afternoon, same reason. Um, and so all of the other time is really, it's military. So I have a list of things I can do in three minutes, 
five minutes, seven minutes. And I keep that on the side. So instead of going to like my happy exit Facebook or Insta or whatever, I go, right, I have three minutes. Like, are you a boss or what? And I go into a three minute thing. And, um, and you could, you'd be surprised at how much that cloud of feeling like there is no time lifts when you use three minutes, you know? You love it. Yeah. So, so it's all categorized by three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes. Pretty well. And I mean, there are things where I do sprints, like a two hour sprint. So I'll turn everything off. Yes. Everything is off. Um, and thankfully I have an amazing husband. So if somebody breaks a leg at school, there's a phone number, number two, you know, mm-hmm. Love it. Um, and by and, the way, folks, just before this interview, I caught Kelsey saying, I love you to her husband. So uh, she does have an amazing relationship with him. <laughs> I do love him, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know. What's his name? His name is Andrew. Yeah, yeah. shout out to Andrew. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I call him Hot Buns. He'll hate that. Sorry. <laughs> hey, hot Only buns. coast to coast Hot Buns. That's all this <laughs> podcast is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so cool. Well, th- and, and thank you for sharing that. I love it's about, it's not about I- identifying, you know, a meeting. It's what are you going to do in that meeting? That's critical. So very cool. Yeah, for sure. So I've got a, a, now I've got a great team of people that help this podcast show happen. And, uh, and they send me with these amazing questions and they really do great, great, great research. And I'm just looking through the questions that we're going to go through. But one of the ones it, the one, one, there's one that isn't here that I know people are going to want me to ask, and it has to do with Richard Branson Center Mentor. Yeah. What the heck is that? And how did you become a Richard Branson Center Mentor? Great. So uh, Richard has Richard, like he's my pal. Yeah, uh, you're calling Dickie. Yeah, Richie. he's hanging out, he's hanging out at his place down in the islands. Um, so he has a couple of centers uh, for entrepreneurship. One is in Jamaica, and the other one is on another island down south. Uh, in any event, long is that ne- long Necker story island? short. What's that? My that- island, actually. It's, it's on my island. Um, is, it, is it called Necker Island, though? Is that where that is? No, yeah. I think the – well, Necker is his actual place. Yeah. Um, okay. But this place is called My Island, you say? Yeah. It's, it's mine. No. <laughs> Big dreams. No doubt. Okay. No. okay. I digress. Sorry. It's your fault. Um, no, Go it's forward. all good. We're just we're just chatting like no one's here. So, yeah. in any event, um, so I, have, I believe in mentorship. Mm. strongly a lot of people helped me big time when I had no business getting help I had nothing like I had no idea what I was doing and um but I believe strongly in people with work ethic you know that's really the only thing that's ever got me through much I'm not necessarily a hugely intelligent person I just work real hard and um so anyway so I was looking for a place to apply my mentorship skills and it seemed to me that uh that would be a good spot. You know, there's a lot of meetup groups and all these other things you can do. So I just reached out to them and said, Hey, here, here's who I am. Here's what I'm doing. And they called, we did an interview. Um, and what's neat about that experience, uh, just briefly is that they don't pair you up all the time. So like some Mm. other mentorship programs I've been involved in, you get a new mentor every six months, whatever with Branson, I only get a mentor when it's a great fit. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to all the people listening. If you're looking to get a mentor, some programs are really great. Um, Just do a bit of research into how they actually pair you. Mm. Because I've had mentors through other programs and it's like, yeah, you know, you're the CFO at FedEx or Mm -hmm. whatever, any given company. It's lovely. But I don't know the first thing about FedEx aside from I get them a house and (laughs) You know, and I'm not, I'm not a finance guy. I make money and the finance people tell me how I'm doing, you know? So, um, so I, I'm, you know, on mentorship, I would say like for, again, for anyone listening, look at how they pair people, but the Branson thing's been amazing for me. The people have been exceptional. And, uh, and so, yeah. Good for you. You know, I I love that. I love that lesson, that gold nugget that you just reference point. It made a reference point. And I, and I think the lesson more so is for those organizations that are organizing these mentor sessions uh, Mm. versus the startup, because the startup doesn't really know the entrepreneur doesn't really know they're, they're really saying in blind trust. Okay. I want to talk to somebody. And a lot of you, you hit it bang on. Oh, well, I'm an accountant. I raised my hand. Okay. You go meet with Bobby to talk about how to make ice cream. And it just doesn't, 
doesn't work. So I love that lesson. And I think it's more reference points to the people that are organizing mentor organizations and the, uh, the startups. But as a side note, have the startup or the entrepreneur uh, ask the question, I guess, is that why did you choose this person to talk to me? Well, Very here's cool. something I will say. Sorry to cut you off, but on the on the on the entrepreneur side, the other thing I find that's super refreshing is when someone, a mentoring with someone and they come straight up out of the gates and say, look, here's what I really need. Mm. You know, then be super vulnerable and just say, look, here's my problem is I doubt myself all the time. I'm up in the middle of the night at two fourteen AM nonstop, whatever. Right. This is what I need help with. If you're not the guy, great. If you are awesome. And right. here's how much time I really expect. And here's the best way to communicate with me. And you know what I mean? Because yeah. otherwise these things, it's like any relationship, right? There's like yep. the three date rule. Right. You're not going to really hop in right. until you've had the first few dates to feel them out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so anyway, so I would just say that because I, I love mentoring people. But again, if, if they're like, well, I have this balance sheet, would you look at it? I'm yeah, like, no, yeah. you can hire someone to do that. Like, what's your real problem? Yeah, yeah. I love it. Love it. Um, I want to do a quick uh, segue to your journey with uh, cancer. And I love the sure. fact that you're willing to talk about it. I've, I've suffered from depression along my journey as an entrepreneur, very mm-hmm. open to doing that and lots of lessons learned and so on. And I think it's uh, it's critically important that entrepreneurs understand that there are health issues that go along with the journey. And so mm-hmm. what I'm interested in is, uh, you know, first of all, that uh, must have been an interesting uh, punch to the stomach, let alone the, uh, the noggin. And what strategies and tactics did you use to to beat cancer but also maintain your business and and other things along the way while you're battling with that daily issue yeah okay right so three things number one please have insurance life insurance like uh you know payables insurance whatever the case i'm not a huge fan of buying insurance it makes me feel sick but when you need it you sure are happy you have it Mm -hmm. so when i got my diagnosis the first call i made was to my insurance agent to say please tell me that when i die because i'm expecting to my family's taken care of Mm -hmm. do you know what a weight that is off your shoulders that like Mm -hmm. now i can just focus on being well because the money is handled right right right. we're now so that's the first thing. Um, I feel like I should be getting a little ching on the backside from Aetna Canada or something right now. <laughs> I'm not getting paid to do this message. And then the second piece is um, the second piece is be really honest about it to your to your staff. Um, I was really lucky because we didn't have a single person leave. Um, and and so I approached him. I said, "Look, here's what's happening. I have this rare form of cancer." 17% survival rate. Um, but here's my plan. This, this, this is how it's going to roll out. So in my inevitable mm. demise, this is what's going to happen. So mm. again, they're not going, oh my gosh, how am I going to put food on my table? Mm. You know, cause we're all survivalists in that moment. Sure. You know, I will fight and claw your eyes out to save family. <laughs> we it. all could, wouldn't yeah. we? Yeah, right? of course. Yep. So, so the first thing is like, think about what people are thinking about to save their family and address that. Um, and then the third thing is personally for me was interesting for me. And I think, um, I don't know if this is the same for everyone, but I really was less focused on me checking out and more focused on what would happen to everyone else. Mm. Um, you know, I felt a lot of burden about be not being there for my kids and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And, um, and so I really focused on community. So. I had people come over and really kind of lived my life uh, as if my life um, really meant something. And I think that everyone has a different experience with cancer. Thankfully, mine ended the way it did, and I'm here to talk about it. Um, But it's one of the best things that's happened to me the best wow. terrible thing you know yep. mm-hmm. do you uh, find do you find yourself looking after your health different now that you've uh, been through that 95% of the time yes mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, uh, in, my, in my battles with depression, I say it's the, one of the best things that happened to me too. One really? because, of, yep, one because of health, but the other thing is because I, I'm very open with it. So I helping people along their journey with depression because yeah. I've been there, done that, and that's why I applaud you for being open about it because we all face these issues and uh, we need we need people out there to say I've been there, done that. Here's I, I want to help, and so thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate it. Oh, happy to. 
when you went through that, um, <laughs> excuse me, with your uh, with your um, with your cancer, did you have to put any processes in place from a business perspective? You talked about the high level stuff of engaging people and and uh, focusing on them, but were there any? Like I'm a firm believer, the best thing you got to do with your business is set it up so you can work in it if you want to, not because you have to. And so, is did you do anything like that yeah. at the beginning? Processes? I maybe should have talked to you before I had the cancer. You see, because we <laughs> we were just so everything was in my head. Like I think a uh, lot of us suffer from this. It's like yes. I'm the guy, so I'm just I'm the chief juggler, you know, dishwasher, whatever that phrase is. Um, we had no process. I mean, we had a payables process and, and a receivables process. So that was about the limit of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what was great was I actually went to my staff and said, okay, you tell me what is your job? How do you do it? And what part do I am, what part am I involved in that? And let's figure out how we're going to automate that because I frankly did not have the time, energy or focus to try and systematize my whole business. Um, and I think a lot of me reaching out to the staff and going, right, you're the boss of this process. You tell me how it's supposed to run, Mm -hmm. uh, gave them a ton of ownership and they were like, okay, right. Boss says I'm supposed to, here's what I think. And here's a couple of ways we could do it better. Even like, in fact, that was a huge leapfrog for that business was when it, when it got to do a lot better because I was kind of not there. Being in the middle of everything, like, isn't it, you know, when they talk about pinch points, like take me out of it yes. and all, you know, these people were doing the job anyway. It's just that I was, because I was so involved, um, I was often, you know, the pinch point. So, so to, so directly answer the process question, like, along with going and getting some insurance, organize some processes ASAP, because if you're found in the situation I was, it's not a great time, but, um, but it's a great opportunity. The yeah. Leapfrog business. W- yeah. Would you consider that to uh, be one of your quote unquote failures as an entrepreneur to not put those processes in place before you really had to put them in place? Oh, sure. Among many, you know, yeah, of that, course. Yeah. Yeah. That's among my many flaws. Uh, well, we're is, just meeting today. I, I only want to start with about five. Yeah. Okay. Well, by the, by the third time you'll have, you'll have a pinged. Uh, no, yeah. I mean, processes. I, well, because I think part may, and maybe I'm brushing us all with the same or painting us all with the same brush or whatever, but I, you know, I, I really hated process. I hated structure. Don't give me structure. You, you know, my free flowing good juju can't operate in that. Yes. Um, but the thing that made my business start and grow and succeed in the beginning is not what makes my business sustainable. It's right. two very different things. I figured yeah. that out about myself. That's why yeah. I'm a serial entrepreneur and not mm. manager. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because process isn't where I jive. But right. But that's where the great money keeps happening. Isn't that lovely? You know? Yeah. Well, but it still needs that that beginning uh, stage of the business where there are no processes to begin to ultimately get to the point where you need processes. So you that's still have true. a role, Kelsey. Don't. Uh, no, thank you. Thank okay. you. I'm, I'm not fired yet. <laughs> not well, fired yet. Need me to circle back and be like, hey, okay, this is all fine and good. It's been peanut butter sandwiches for a long time, but what's the new ingredient? Right. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, it's that time where we need to take a very quick break, but we will be right back with more from our amazing guests. Stay tuned. Canadian-born business One by Sun creates and sells a unique collection of printed yoga mats, tote bags, pouches, and prints from original hand-painted designs to customers across Canada, the United States, and Australia. When their products are out for delivery, it's important for their customers to have total visibility to ensure their packages are delivered on time, no matter where their customer is located. UPS Canada helps customers track their shipments 24 hours a day, seven days a week, while co-owners Evangelina and Jamal can focus on growing their business. Join the UPS Small Business Program to get support on your unique supply chain needs. Plus, save 40% off shipping. Visit ups.com forward slash my business. Thank you to our sponsors. And we are back. You mentioned um, uh, one thing about insurance, and I just want to make a quick note on that. You talked about life insurance, but there's another insurance out there now called critical illness insurance yes. that I think is is equally as important um, during that time period. So for the folks Absolutely. listening, if you if, if you haven't, ch- I mean, life insurance has been around for the ages, but uh, critical illness insurance is something you should take a look at also. Absolutely. So um, bullying, 
Um, yeah. You know, you uh, you have spoken about bullying in business, not in schools. So can you explain you know, your shift in tactics from bully to relationship builder and kind of the impact it had in your business? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think I grew up, I guess it was mostly television because I never actually witnessed my parents doing business, you know, mm. and you see these guys like, uh, and, and all these tunes like big time, you know, and all this stuff. And these guys are hardcore and they're just mean, right. They're just negotiating sharks. And, uh, and, and even, you know, as, as we see on like shows like Dragon's Den or whatever, these kind of shows and these, and these guys are sometimes meanies. And you think the idea is to go in there and just win, right? Winning is the objective. Right. Um, and I like that. I can get, you know, I can salivate a bit, get a bit fervent about, you know, just beating someone up. That's fun. <laughs> but because it feels good, you know, to walk out and be like, Oh, I killed that. Yeah. It, it's, it's fun to kill the hunt. Absolutely. It yeah, it is. And I'm bloodthirsty for it, but, yes. and that's lovely. Um, but <laughs> the challenge is that you go back and try and do business with that guy again. And he's like, mm, yeah, no, thanks. Actually, yeah. I'm not in for like a face pounding today. Yeah. I, think I won't schedule that meeting. And so you surely start to realize that, or even you grind someone on a contract. Well, guess what? They're not going to give you the best service. Mm. A, because they're not going to be servicing you again. And B, because they're not making any money on that contract. So they're going to focus their energy where they're making money. Mm -hmm. um, and so, in fact, it was interesting. Sidebar, I did a thing. And so the, the setup was it was Kevin O'Leary and myself. And we were going to talk about this bullying thing. And I was ready for a fight. Like it, the whole day, I was actually pretty nervous, a bit nauseous. And um, we get there and I'm ready to go. And he's like, uh, I don't really want to talk about that. Uh, I want to talk about this other thing. And I was like, you, what are we talking about here? Cause you're the <laughs> supreme bully. You're yep. the guy, man. You're the mm -hmm. bully. Of all time. But I think, you know, the challenge is the bully works up front and it's great it, for TV. Yep. Right? That is so interesting. You say that particularly related to him. And, and I think it's a lesson for you're reinforcing what I'm just about to say. I, uh, I had a chance to hang, he was in New Brunswick one point and anyway, I just was around a table with him and a few other people for an hour. And he was the nicest, most gentlemanly guy you could ever come across. And yet it's, you're right. This persona on TV, he plays and it's totally unfair because he doesn't want anyone to know how nice he is. Yeah, so that yeah. doesn't serve the him. Sorry. It doesn't Sorry, serve Kevin. him. Yeah. Um, Crazy. That was true. And, and in fact, he, so my brother was on Dragon's Den. He had this business called Saks. It's a men's underwear. If you don't know about it, you should buy some. And, and okay. also not a pitch because he sold the business and it makes him no money for me to mention it. But yeah. And that assumes I wear underwear too. Okay. Well then we're on the second date now. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, a, a lot of edits are going to happen on this interview. <laughs> so, but so I brought, because I knew I was going to be fighting with him about this bullying thing. I brought a pair of underwear of my brother's, not <laughs> yes. my, you know, me you know, getting at to the thing and gave it to him as like a peace offering. And, and he was just so lovely about it. I remember that pitch, you know, all these things. And I'm going, aren't you the jerk from the dragons? Then like, didn't they, did they double book you and you're his stunt double? Like I thought I was going to fight the real Kevin O'Leary today. Yeah. Kick, get off the floor. You wimp. Totally. I was ready. Bloodthirst. It's probably over here anyway. So, but uh, oh, to, to directly answer it. I mean, I think my tact changed very much from going in and just being being a bully, right? And yes. leveraging all the power, anything I could have against someone um, to win into recognizing that really like relationships are the thing that have, have really allowed me to grow and carry forward and spin off into other businesses and get investors. Mm, mm. You know, when people are like, she's great to work with, you know, when you're scaling and you're getting, and you're getting set up, that's one thing. And that's awesome. And then when you've kind of made it a little bit and you have a bit of change, um, for people to say, yeah, she's great. You should get her involved in all the opportunities that unlocks. It's just, it's, it's a much better way than being the bully. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, so, um, I find this very hard to believe that you conducted a social experiment, 
uh, around risk, uh, risk and failure, failure and all that kind of stuff. And I find this even more shocking that people would eye, roll their eyes about this social experiment that you did. You don't seem to be a, um, uh, you don't seem to be a, a buster through the wall person at all. <laughs> On the contrary, <laughs> you are the total mover and shaker. So tell us about this experiment that you, that you did experiment. I love it. And was there, well, first of all, was there a monetary, uh, focus around this experiment or was there just you one day said, I'm going to go up here. I'm going to go do something that's really cool and see where it goes. Well, no, well, there were two and I don't know exactly the one, which one you prefer, but I'll I'll tell you briefly about both of them. The first one was I decided to take selfies naturally of myself for 30 days and um, post them and see what the response was to different types of selfies. Because as a person in the world, that's naturally we Google, um, I just thought it would be interesting to see people's response to different parts of my life because people see us as one thing. So I did that. And what was super interesting was how many people were like, you narcissist, whatever. (laughs) And I was like, wait, what? Like go on your own feed, (laughs) selfie face. Um, (laughs) Just because I am supposed to be a business person and have this kind of persona, like Canada's number one female entrepreneur, I can't have a life. I don't know. So this kind of separation of like, you know, personal and business. And I wanted to test those lines and see what that looked like. So that was interesting. um, Just how people pigeonhole you to be a certain way because of who they expect you to be. Mm. Um, what was so the other was, one? So the second one was I, uh, I like to, I always wished I would be a rock and roll star. Yes. And the way I say that tells you, I would never be one, a rock and roll star. Like no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, what? Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So I always wanted to be, um, famous, if not infamous in that arena, but right. that clearly never happened. So in any event, uh, but I, but I've always been a fan of music and blah, blah, blah. So I thought, who's okay, your, well, who's your favorite singer? Oh my goodness. Impossible. Impossible. Can't answer it. Okay. Coach comes to your mind right now. Well, the first two that came to mind were, uh, I have to do the Canadian answer, which is of course, Gord Downey, but then, but then Ziggy star, the Ziggy Stardust album is like phenomenal. Mm. Um, you know, I'm kind of, I was born in the wrong era. So like anytime I'm going to succeed at something and it's the final moment, I queue up in my car, one of two songs either Traveling River, Riverside Blues by Led Zeppelin mm-hmm. or Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith. Oh, I like that one. And when I get mm. in the car, it's just like, sweet. Anyway, mm. so it's quite great. Mm. Yeah, but awesome. The point, <laughs> but the point of, uh, so I did this experiment because I thought, I want to really test something and make myself tremendously uncomfortable and witness how that feels. Because in business, we get so accustomed to taking certain type of risk over time we become, it's like, you know, it's a bit, we become inoculated to it. You know, it stops affecting us the same way. Right. So people always ask me about risk. So I thought, okay, I'm going to take a risk that feels terrible. Like I want to be sick in my mouth kind of thing. Um, and so I, I taped myself singing a Janis Joplin song uh, out on my back porch in the middle of the winter at just like random with no backup or anything. And <laughs> it's like I got some backup singers and we did a routine, which is what I would have liked to imagine in my dreams, but it didn't happen at all like that. I probably like finished eating a ham sandwich and went outside and sang to myself. I think um, you like to eat ham, don't you? I, d- I used to actually, I, I don't eat that stuff anymore, but I we referenced it when, when you were growing up, you know, if my, if I mom and dad, ham. I think I that's to- really what's happening. I like the ham. <laughs> so, So I sang this song and uh, it was Mercedes Benz by Janis Joplin, which is like such, I feel like it's such a great anthem. And I, I, I love that song. And um, in fact, when I went to do my MBA, it was a karaoke night and I sang it there to a room full of MBAs who were like, what are you even talking about? (laughs) You like want a Mercedes Benz. So I, uh, so I sang it and I posted it. And again, it was really interesting because this kind of feedback about how the world sees you versus who you are uh, especially around entrepreneurship, because people were like, what? You take risks all the time. This isn't risky. You risk millions of dollars. But I think what's interesting around that experiment for me and the reason that I that I value having done it is that um, I can buy into the storyline, you know? Yeah, yeah. I am the fact that um, I am super risky and nothing should affect me. So why am I feeling so It's scared? crazy. It's crazy. 
It's crazy, isn't it? Do you ever, when you became the number one female entrepreneur by Profit Magazine the first time around, did you think that, oh my God, I don't deserve this? Oh my God, best and worst thing that ever happened to me. It's crazy, isn't it? Hated it's it. nuts. Still hate it sometimes. Yeah, it's like, it's like they're going to, oh my God, they'll, they're going to figure it out. I'm not actually good. Oh, and nailed it. it. Yeah. yeah. But I got I, into MBA school. Do you know what I did? I applied to every MBA school in Canada. I only got into Ivy. And <laughs> which is insane. Uh, but anyway, but that's what happened. And when I got the letter, I called my dad. I'm like, dad, I need 30 grand like now. Mm. And I got a wire transfer it to these people. And he was like, what did you do? Which just tells you where he thought I was at in my life. But I thought I got well, to get this told money. Him, you should have told him about all the learning experience first, right? Yeah, well, totally. <laughs> but I'm sure he was thinking like, what? You owe people like 30 grand. What'd you do? But <laughs> But I'm thinking, I got to get this money in their account before they even realize they've screwed up and let yeah, me in. Right. <laughs> if business people, they're just going to pull up another chair. Like, oh, that's I'm in. But I you're right. It. You know, we, uh, the first thing is they're going to find me out like imposter syndrome all day. Imposter. Yep. Yep. Oh my God. They're going to figure it out. I've, I'm actually not perfect. It's incredible. I went through that last year. I was uh, named business person of the year by the local chamber and the same thing. I was like, oh my God, it's, it's like, I don't want anybody to know. It's so yeah. crazy, but yet you love it. Too. I, I mean, know it's, it's a big stake in the ground. I mean, for you, two years in a row. I mean, let's let's kind of talk about that. Um, and I, I, we're going to talk about. It. I'm going to give you a little bit of a of a, a fence to lean on because um, I'm a big fan of Profit Magazine. I love Rick Spence and Ian Portsmouth, and they're, awesome. uh, they're really awesome guys. I, I was on one of the lists, the hottest startups list, and the and the fastest growing list. But awesome, but, congrats! Yeah, well, and and it's is and thank you. I I really do love it. And I still tell people that because it's. It's a real testament to uh, to a team effort, too. It isn't just me. But you were named Canada's number one female entrepreneur two years in a row. That's, yeah. I mean, that's such a, that's like a stratosphere jump away from where mine was. You know, first of all, how did it feel when you got the call the second time? Mic drop. Boom. No, it didn't feel like that at all, actually. Truth yeah, be told, what happened crazy. was I got an email. Uh. And so, well, the first time I thought it was propaganda because I'm like, I'm a girl in construction. It's a good story. It's going to sell mags, what have you. Right. Um, that's how I laid it off with the whole imposter thing. But then the second time I got an email. And so I emailed Ian back and I'm like, hey, I think whatever, whoever does this for you just, just accidentally sent the draft from last year. The person who won would probably like to know, so they sent it to me by accident, whatever. <laughs> and of course, he, <laughs> of course, it would be their mistake. I totally, so he emails me back and he sees a bunch of people, like just like people that we mutually know within or, you know, whatever, not as a mean thing, but as being like, can you believe this woman is like the most humble person ever? Like you idiot, you won again, come on. And so I was like, Woo! all right, yeah. well then. And I guess I'll go and get a few bottles of wine. Um, uh, oh, that's so fantastic. it was, but it, but it was, um, I, I sat at a table then actually Tanya Jashin, who just won this last year, mm-hmm. she was at a table. So there was a bunch of wee gals and the, and the entrepreneurship community of women in Canada gets pretty small when you get near the top. Mm. And, um, so the Mabel's gals were there and I was there and Tony was a few. And so she doesn't know me yet though. So she's two gals down and she says, Is she the one that the, the Canadian uh, center the for tea. social innovation? No, she's got a steep tea. That's her. That's okay. her. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, but she won the Canada's number one female entrepreneur this year. But so right. flashback a couple of years when I won it the second time and she doesn't know who I am and I'm sitting <laughs> tables down or two seats down. And she says to the table, and who is that word who won <laughs> no the second way. time like get <laughs> off already why are you gonna and i was like right here hi and she, it was the most hilarious thing and then but That's doesn't hilarious. it show that we always think we're not there yet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right like here she is she doesn't know it yet but in two years time she's gonna be the big swinger right Hit homers all day on the cover of every single thing but at that point in time she's she's defend you know she's like oh who is that person like i wish i could be them Wow. Well, and so, it, I don't know. I just love those moments when you can go. And when she won this year, I sent her an email and gave her a call and I said, Hey, you know, who is that? Be? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Seriously. Good for you. 
I love it. Well, look, on that note about about uh, the award and the imposter syndrome and so on, uh, let's kind of tie back in. And, and, and I, I hate to tell you, we got to close up this interview soon, but I could keep going for days. This has been so fantastic. It's but fun. I, You're I, fun to chat with. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I wanted you to talk about your piece of advice for women to, and, and this is what the question says to me. And I hate the question because it's, it, to me, a, a village, it, you know, it's, it's all about entrepreneurship uh, and we're, 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 we should all be heading in the same direction. The question says, what's your top piece of advice for a woman looking to get ahead in a field of men? And I don't like the word ahead. I just like to achieve their best where they're living the life they want to live and, and, and not trying to compete against men dealing with what's, what's best for them. So what's your top piece of advice for, for women that are entrepreneurs that want to drive, strive and so on that are dealing with, I'll call it male, male innuendos and so yep. on. Okay. So great. Two things. Um, spinning off of the award, like it is Canada's number one female entrepreneur, right? So as much as I hate that men versus women thing, mm-hmm. I benefited from it. Like, let's mm-hmm. be honest. So, um, so I think what it comes down to is strategy. Okay. So you're okay. dealt so many cards. You can choose to play them or not. Right. Um, when I won that award for a minute, I considered not accepting it. <clears throat> really? Interesting. Yeah. Because I don't want to be known for having tits, mm, right? Mm-hmm. I'd like to be known because I'm actually pretty clever. I'm mm-hmm. street smart as you know what, and I'm a pretty decent negotiator mm-hmm. and I'm a pretty good time. Mm. Um, I don't want to be the one who got somewhere because of this whole, like she's wearing skirt jam, but, uh, but strategy kicks in and goes, how does this benefit me? Right. Right. Let's be realistic here, woman. Mm -hmm. Um, and let's check our ego at the door and, and involve some strategy. So I, I approach it the same way when I was doing my construction business on the daily was I'm surrounded by men. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a certain kind of expectation for what a woman in construction is all about. Mm-hmm. And mostly that expectation is she's all about not being there. So, <laughs> um, so, and that's, you know, and that's nothing against guys in construction. That's just been the norm history, yeah. right? Tradition. Yeah. So it's just something we feel and understand. Um, but so if there was a way for me to get a meeting with someone who otherwise wouldn't meet me, aside from the fact that I was kind of a freak show, like who's this woman <laughs> that's 28 and thinks she can do something, let her have a meeting, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I don't care how I get in the door because once I'm in, I'm going to blow that place up. Awesome. And so I'd say, you know, don't focus on the fact that he comments on whatever or any of this other kind of stuff. If you can use it, do it. Um, I don't mean sleep around or any of that other kind of stuff. Don't no, do no. that. You know, that no, there's, there's principles and values and all that stuff yeah, associated right? when you can, you can, you can sleep well at night with it. And, and, you know, sometimes it works in your favor. So I had this one guy one time came in for an interview and I was in the office and he walked in and he said, um, Hey honey, can you get me? He kind of looked around and said, I'm here for the interview. I said, great. He said, Hey honey, can you get me a coffee? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I went and I got him a coffee and then I started coming back and I said, Oh, what would you like in it? And he said, no, I mostly just asked you to get it so I could watch your ass while you walked away to get it for me. Lovely. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, okay, that's fine. Um, you're here for the interview. And he said, yeah, where's the boss? And I said, you're speaking with her. (laughs) I love it. And of course his face is like, And I hired him and everyone's like, you hired him. And of course yeah. I hired him because he, we called him all over. His name was Oliver, but he would go all over. If I said jump, that man said how high, because he absolutely was gutted by the fact that I had this moment on him. Right. Love it. Everyone was raised by him. You know, they had some influence and, and some understanding that you just don't treat people that way. Yeah. And, um, and so forever all over was all over the place anywhere I sent him to go because, uh, how badly he felt from that situation. But again, it just comes back to check your ego and use your strategy. Mm, Love it. 
Kelsey, this has been just incredible, and I can't thank you enough for your time and your busy day with family and all that kind of stuff. But it is a Friday, so you kind of booked it off for the day, whoop, dude. Whoop. I did. Yeah, you did. So I had an emergency board meeting and all this other stuff, and but this I booked, and I'm so glad I did. It's been a, well, it's been a great time. Well, thank you, and I look forward to the opportunity of shaking your hand and uh, and having some cocktails. I think it'll be an interesting conversation, more so. So uh, thank you so much for your time. Keep on happening keep doing your magic and i uh, look forward to number three on the well actually profit doesn't ex- well kind of does but you know my point we like to see you number three on the list because you're obviously doing some magical stuff for the entrepreneurial community not only for yourself but for the ecosystem and thanks for doing that oh thanks thanks for having me it's been a real pleasure bye now bye bye Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to more awesome entrepreneur content? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats and hashtag startup school, which you can catch every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett, leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Hi, this is Krishka Swami, TEDx speaker and serial entrepreneur, and you're listening to the Startup Canada podcast. Can you describe your journey as a as a Canadian newcomer? I, I really don't like the word immigrant, and so I'll say newcomer. And, you know, how, how has that kind of uh, brought you to interact with the uh, entrepreneurship community in, uh, in Canada and where else you're working? Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I think, you know... <laughs> Uh, my parents and I are super grateful to this country just for the reason that it's it's a welcoming country for at least for our experiences that we had um, immediately when I got into school, immediately when I started um, my first business here, um, which was right before I joined JA even. The opportunities that people were willing to give me and the help that I got from teachers, from my mentors here in Canada were fantastic. Um, so really, I think the immigration process, if you want to call it that, was just seamless for me. Um, mm. It wasn't something that was that hard. Um, I think the only thing was, I I, I do believe at the same time that I I came in with an advantage from being from Singapore because A, competitiveness is ingrained in Singaporean DNA. Mm, Interesting. Ingrained in in DNA. Um, And so it made school really easy for me early on. Um, And the second thing I think is coming from a different perspective where Singapore was growing into an innovation hub when I left, um, and I still engaged with that culture largely as a consumer, not as an owner. But I still think that coming from that background and just seeing how industries can explode in a short amount of time gave me that added belief that I could do the exact same thing in Canada. Wonderful. Um, and I know, and I know that was a bit naive, perhaps some people might say, but at the same time, I do think that perspective is so valuable in terms of motivating me every day to to continue to hustle, even at the age of eleven or. 12. 